So we're in a Christmas series, right? We're talking about Jesus as our perfect uh, prophet, um, our great high priest, and our king. And what we're going to be focusing on this morning is Jesus as our great high priest. And I think that uh, when, we, when we think about these offices and, and Jesus fulfilling them, um, it can kind of feel like this isn't even really about Christmas, is it? <laughs> like it feels a little disconnected from the birth narratives in Scripture. Um, and I just want to reiterate what, what Dwayne actually said last week. What we need to understand is that whenever Scripture, specifically in the birth narratives, talks about Jesus coming into the world, it never just talks about how he came into the world. It always continues on to tell us what he came to do. He came to be our perfect prophet, our great high priest, and our king. And that's what we need to understand is that Christmas and the, and the birth narratives always have an eye toward what Jesus came to do. Although it's awesome to understand how he came into the world and that he did, what's most glorious is the purpose for which he came, is it not? As we consider Jesus as our great high priest, uh, we'll see the connection here in a Christmas or in the birth narrative in Matthew 1.21 where the angel of the Lord comes to Mary, and this is what he says to her. He says, You will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel says, Look, you're going to have a baby, and you ought to name him Jesus. But the text doesn't stop there, right? Continues on and says what he is going to do as Jesus He's going to be the one who saves his people from their sins. And the office that Christ perfectly fulfills in saving his people from their sins is the office of priest, which we'll consider this morning. And as we look at Christ as our great high priest, this is what I want us to to get out of the, the message this morning. If you look at your bulletin insert, you see it there in the aim. Our aim this morning is that our faith would be strengthened as we consider the perfection of Christ as our great high priest, and that we would know our role as priests in the kingdom of God. There's implications for us, just like we saw that we have a prophetic voice in relation to Christ as our great prophet. Uh, We also have a priestly office that as God's people, um, he commands us to take up. And so we'll look at both of those things today. The way this is going to unfold, we're going to look firstly at the Old Testament office of priest, get a little bit of a grasp on uh, what they uh, were meant to do for God's people, and then we'll see how Christ perfectly fulfills that office and how we carry that on in the world today. So let's go ahead and pray and ask the Spirit to come and help us as we look into the Word. Father, uh, we are thankful that you have revealed to us Uh, yourself in your word, Uh, that Christ is our perfect prophet, that he came to reveal you to us. And we have it written down and we can study it and we're thankful for this. But we know that we need help. We need your spirit to be here among us, working in us, opening up our minds to understand and our hearts to love the Jesus that we will see here today. I pray that that is the case and I pray that your spirit will be working to this end. Ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we begin here, let's look at the Old Testament office of priest. What was their responsibility? What were they to do? 
the role of an Old Testament priest can be summed up in one word, that of a mediator. Um, and this is shown clearly to us in Hebrews 5.1, which says this, For every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So we see here that the priest's job was to act on behalf of man in relation to God. And as such, they were a mediator between God's people and God himself. They were a go-between. They are the ones who are mediating the relationship between two parties, right? That's what we understand a mediator to be. And if you think about it here, Dwayne talked last week about Christ as our prophet, right? And he said that the prophet's role was to represent God to the people so that God would give a revelation to the prophet and he would speak it on behalf of God to the people. But the priest's role is reversed. He represents God's people to God, specifically as we see here through offering gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, this is part of his role as mediator is to mediate through sacrifice or through the sacrificial system that we see in the Old Testament. Uh, But he also mediates through intercession, through praying for God's people, bringing them to God and pleading to God that he would pour out his blessings upon them. That's the twofold office of mediators as one as a priest, as one who is mediating through sacrifice and through intercession, okay? So let's look first at uh, mediation through sacrifice. The Old Testament priests were responsible to mediate God's uh, relationship with his people through offering gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, there were a lot of different sacrifices that were offered, five to be exact. Um, Some included grain offerings, some included drink offerings. We know uh, probably the, the one that's most familiar to us is offerings that required animal sacrifice. Uh, the priest was in charge of knowing what needed to be done with the animal. He was in charge of slaughtering it. What do you do with the blood? What do you do uh, with the meat? Do you eat it? Do you burn it all? Uh, each sacrifice required a different set of regulations in order for the sacrifice to be carried out. And the priest's responsibility was to know these things and to carry it out for the people who are coming to sacrifice. This was the way that a Jew would have gone and had fellowship with God in the Old Testament. They would have taken their sacrifices to the temple and desiring to have fellowship with God. And the priest would help them do that. That was the role of the priest in mediating through sacrifice. And not only through sacrifice, but as I said, he was also to mediate through intercession, through prayer. And we see this specifically in Numbers 6, 22 through 27, a common prayer that was uh, given for the people of God to God is found there, which you may have heard in churches today, or you may just be familiar with. This is what is said. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. This is a common prayer, as I said, that was reiterated by the priests for the people of God to God. 
calling for God to bless the people. He was the one who was interceding for the people in prayer. He would take them to the throne room in prayer that God's blessings would be showered down upon them. So the twofold ministry of a mediator in the Old Testament as a priest was through sacrifice and through intercession, through prayer. Now, there were imperfections in the Old Testament priest's mediation. It wasn't a perfect mediation, that hence the need for Jesus. And let's look at two ways in which the Old Testament priest's mediation was imperfect. And then when we get to consider Christ, we'll see how he perfectly fulfills those imperfections. So first, we see that the Old Testament priest's sacrifices were symbolic. We see this in Hebrews 10.4. It says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now what the author of Hebrews is saying here is that the offerings, the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament didn't actually take away sins. It didn't actually get rid of the sin of the one who was offering the sacrifice. That wasn't even the purpose of them. The purpose of the Old Testament sacrifices were to point to the need for a more, for a more perfect sacrifice. They were to point their eyes to something else, or more specifically, someone else. And in this way, they were symbolic and did not actually remove the sins of the people. This is why they had to go over and over and over and over again offering these sacrifices. Year in and year out, they would go and offer these sacrifices. And you got to imagine that they had to know that something isn't right here. Why do we have to continually offer these sacrifices? Well, it's because they were merely symbolic. They were pointing to a greater sacrifice that was to come. And this is an imperfection. The second imperfection of the Old Testament priest mediation is that it was temporary. Their mediation was temporary. Hebrews 7.23 The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. And so the priesthood was, was large, right? The Levites were the ones who were the Old Testament priests. It was given to the line of the Levites to be the priests. And they would die, right? They were men just like us. And so they would carry on a priesthood and eventually they would die. And then they had to hand their priesthood and their priestly duties on to another Levite. And in this way, yet again, this would have turned in the minds of the Jews Man, something's not right here. We don't have a perfect mediator between us and God. These sacrifices we have to continually offer clearly aren't doing the job. And the priests who are mediating our relationship with God die. Their ministry is only temporary. And these are the key imperfections of the Old Testament priesthood. And I will say as we begin to turn the page to Christ... There's a lot that could be said here. Nearly the entire book of Hebrews is dedicated to Christ as our high priest and the way that he fulfills the Old Testament office. I mean, we'll look at a lot of Hebrews, but I'm just going to handle a very small portion here, okay? Specific to these two imperfections. Old Testament sacrifices were symbolic and the Old Testament priest's mediation was temporary. 
So as I said already, the imperfections of the Old Testament priesthood were meant to point to something greater that was to come. It was to keep the people yearning for that greater priest to come and mediate their relationship with God. And as we consider Christ, we see clearly that he is that person, that he is our great and perfect high priest. So how does Christ perfectly fulfill the role of priest for God's people? Well, he does it in the same two categories. He mediates our relationship with God through sacrifice and through intercession, through prayer. We'll consider the first through sacrifice. We saw that the Old Testament priest's sacrifice was merely symbolic, whereas Christ's sacrifice was actual. It was effective. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 And every priest stands daily at his surface, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So here we see that the sacrifice of Jesus was effective. It actually paid for the sins of his people. It actually paid for our sins. It removed our sins from us, as the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. But not only is Jesus our priest who offered the perfect sacrifice for us, he himself is the sacrifice. Hebrews 9.12 says this, He, this is referencing Christ, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. This is the heart of the gospel, right? Christ dying for us. Not only was He a priest, who offered a sacrifice for us, his sacrifice was his very own life. And that is why it was effective to take away our sins. Because bulls and goats, animals, drink offerings, grain offerings, could never perfectly represent us. Because they're not human. Christ taking on flesh representing us perfectly and fully to the Father, dies in our place by means of His very own life and blood. And as a result, He has secured an eternal redemption for us. So Christ's mediation is perfect in that His sacrifice is effective because His sacrifice was Himself. Christ also perfects the mediation as intercessor. He also fulfills perfectly that role as intercessor for us. And in this way, we see that the Old Testament priesthood was temporary, right? They died, and they thus were prevented from continuing in office. But Christ's priesthood is eternal, because though he died, he raised again and lives forever. Hebrews 7, 23 through 25 The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Christ, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. 
Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He continually intercedes for his people because his priesthood never ends. 1 John 2, 1 says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, what we need to understand is that Jesus' priestly mediation for us did not end at his death. It did not end at his resurrection, nor at his ascension. It continues on forever. He is at the right hand of God the Father now interceding for us. And what a beautiful truth that is. He perfectly fulfills the role of mediator through sacrifice and through intercession, through prayer. Now that we have seen how Christ perfectly does this, let's consider some of the blessings that come to us through this perfect mediation. Now the blessings here are uh, unnumberable. We'll consider three. The blessings of Christ's perfect mediation for us. First, through Christ we have direct access to the presence of God. Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that through Jesus' blood, we have the ability to enter into the holy places. Now you have to understand the language that he's using here. He's talking about where the presence of God dwelled. In the temple, there was this room called the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelled in the Ark of the Covenant. And there was only one person that could go into that room. And it was only once a year. The high priest was able to go into that room and mediate all of God's people's relationships with God through presenting them to him and going into this room where God's presence dwelled. And you see, we don't understand the significance of this blessing as 21st century Christians because we have no idea to a large degree what it took for a Jew to enter into the presence of God. We don't understand. There, there were purification rituals that had to be done. You had to clean yourself up. All these laws that had to be met, the sacrifices that had to be offered, all of these things had to take place perfectly before you could even get within a thousand feet of God's presence. And you know what the thing is? Even after going through all of those steps, no Jew except for the high priest was ever even able to enter that room where God's presence dwelled. There was always a barrier between God's people and His presence. And then we come to Christ. And we see here in Hebrews that it says, because we have confidence to enter the holy places, that is where God's presence is, by the blood of Jesus that he tore down that dividing wall between God's presence and us. But not only that, it's not like we just get to sit in the same room that God is in. 
Jesus' mediation for us is so perfect that we don't just get to sit in the same room as God's presence. His presence actually lives within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? It's not like there's no distance between us and God anymore because of what Jesus has done. And you know what that speaks to? That blessing speaks to the perfection of the one who mediated the relationship. It speaks to the glory and the perfection of Christ being the one who bridged that gap. Indeed, this is a beautiful and glorious blessing that we have. Direct access to the presence of God as He lives within us. This is the first blessing of Christ's perfect mediation for us. The second is that we have a merciful high priest. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Matthew Henry commenting on these verses says this, Though He is so great and so far above us, yet He is very kind and tenderly concerned for us. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities in such a manner as none else can be. For he was himself tried with all the afflictions and troubles that are part of our nature in its fallen state. And this not only that he might be able to satisfy for us, but to sympathize with us. Jesus is intimately associated with your struggle, with your weakness, and with your suffering. Do you ever get the feeling that God is tired of your failure? That you're a pretty lousy Christian? Do you ever get the feeling that all of your cries to God, all of your pleas for mercy are just nagging Him? That you feel like, man, I'm coming so often before God, He must be getting tired of me. He must look upon me harshly because He's perfect, right? He's completely holy. Or perhaps you feel like he's tired of hearing about your sorrow or your broken family relationships or the temptation that you struggle with. You know, Christmas isn't easy for everybody. And I think that you know that. There's people who have lost loved ones who around the holidays, that hits particularly hard at their heart. There's people who are struggling with illness and sicknesses and disabilities. There's people who have broken family relationships that seem to come to the surface when we get together. Do you ever feel like God's tired of hearing about that? If that's you, if you feel that way, I felt that way too. If you feel that way, you need to understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus, through his incarnation, through taking on flesh, came down to dwell with us and to live a life that we live so that he could be sympathetic and merciful to us. 
He knows firsthand what the struggle is like. And he says, come, never be afraid to come to me. I have opened up the throne of grace for you. Come, never be afraid to come. I'll be waiting for you to strengthen you because I know what it's like. I know that it's difficult. I know that it's not easy. Come, draw near to the throne of grace and you will find grace and mercy to help in time of need. Jesus, because of his perfect mediation for us, is a merciful sympathetic high priest and savior. So we have direct access to the presence of God. We have a merciful, sympathetic savior. And thirdly, we have a living savior praying for us in heaven. Romans 8:34. Christ Jesus is the one who died More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, 9, he says this, I am praying for them, speaking about his disciples and all those who would believe after them, us. I am not praying for the world, but I am praying for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jeremiah Burroughs, the Puritan, commenting on Christ's prayerful intercession for us, says this, Christ is our wonderful high priest, for he has gone to heaven and has the names of all believers upon his breast, and there presents them all before his Father. He is their advocate and makes intercession for them. He is always holding before the Father all of his sufferings, pleading, as it were, before God the Father for them. Jesus is praying for you. He is pleading for you to the Father. This is a most beautiful and glorious blessing that we must hold dearly to our hearts. Christ is currently seated in heaven and is always interceding for us. What is he praying? I don't know, uh, but I have a guess. This is what he prayed for Simon Peter and for the other disciples in Luke 22, 31. He says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That your faith may not fail. Jesus is in heaven praying this for us as our perfect intercessor. He is praying that our faith would not fail and that we would persevere to the end. Who better to be praying for us than Jesus Christ, right? Because of Christ's perfect mediation for us, We have direct access to the presence of God. We have a merciful high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses and invites us to come to the throne of grace. And we have a living Savior who is praying for us 
always. Now the beauty of Christ as our high priest and the blessings of his perfect mediation for us are glorious and they should strengthen our faith in him. But that's not the end. Having our faith strengthened in him, what should we do with that strengthened faith and with this knowledge of Christ as our perfect high priest? But we ought to carry on his ministry in the church and in the world as priests in his kingdom. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, speaking of all Christians, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Every single Christian is a priest and holds a twofold ministry, just like Jesus held and just like the Old Testament priests held. They hold a ministry of sacrifice, if you will, or reconciliation, and they hold a ministry of prayerful intercession. Paul speaks about the ministry of reconciliation that has been entrusted to every Christian in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. Now understand, we have a ministry of reconciliation. This does not mean that we become mediators between the lost and God. That job is for Jesus. We've just been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Which means we go into the world as priests and we proclaim the message of reconciliation that has been entrusted to us. And what a beautiful and glorious message we have. We go to them with the message of there's one that I know of. There's one who can bring you into the presence of God. There's one who can mediate your relationship with God to such a degree that God will live inside of you. His name is Jesus. Can I tell you about him? Oh, there's this amazing priest who came and and took on flesh so that he might be a sympathetic and merciful mediator between you and God. Do you want to know more about him? His name is Jesus. And he can intercede for you. There is one who can be praying for you throughout the entirety of your life that your faith may not fail. Do you want to know about this person? His name is Jesus. Our only responsibility as priests in the ministry of reconciliation is just to point people to the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's our job, that's our ministry. But not only do we have the ministry of reconciliation, we also have the ministry of prayerful intercession. And this comes in two categories. First, we intercede for one another in the household of God. And then we intercede for the lost in prayer. We considered uh, the praying for one another at length two weeks ago as we closed out the series in James 
And that's where our text comes from this morning. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Jesus has opened up for us complete access to the throne of grace. And he says, pray for one another. Take one another into the throne room. You know, there's just times when I can't go there myself. There's times when I'm struggling in my faith enough that I can't even bear to take myself to the throne room. I need somebody else to take me there. We ought to be, to be priests interceding for one another, taking each other to the throne room of grace. Not only do we pray for one another, we pray for the lost. 1 Timothy 2.1 Paul says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So what does this look like? Well, you see, we've been entrusted with the ministry, the message of reconciliation, right? And we know people who need it. But we've also been trusted with the ministry of intercession. And so what do we do? Well, we pray that when we go out with the message of reconciliation, that the people who we share it with will hear and will come to Jesus. We take them to the throne room of grace and we plead for their salvation. And then we go with that message. That's what it looks like. This is what we're called to as priests in the kingdom of God and in the world. Christ has called us to behold His glory as our great high priest, but He has also commissioned us to be priests for one another and for the lost world around us. That's our mission. That's our job. That's our role as priests in this world and in God's kingdom. Christ perfectly fulfills the Old Testament office of priests. And He commands us to go with this ministry in prayer Commission to go and share the message of reconciliation with the world. I'd like to conclude this morning by simply praying and asking that God would seal all of these things in our hearts. Uh, and I want to do so by reading the first stanza of a, a hymn that I hold dearly. It's called Before the Throne of God. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. We sung it a couple weeks ago. And this hymn specifically speaks about Christ as our great high priest and what he has done for us. So let's pray this and ask that God would work in our hearts. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on His hands. My name is written on His heart. I know that while in heaven He stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart.
Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came to take away the sins of his people, that he came to take away our sins, and he did so perfectly. And oh, the blessings that we have as a result of his perfect mediation for us. Lord, would you seal in our hearts the glory of Christ? And would you use that picture of his glory to spur on our hearts and the mission that you've given us to be priests in this world and in your kingdom? Would we go with a beautiful image of Christ as our great high priest? And would we be faithful to carry out this commission? Father, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our perfect Savior and great high priest. Amen.